Right, Adam, hello. Welcome to Soccer Cards and Chill. Uh, this is a, a podcast that is dedicated to the beautiful hobby of collecting cards. Of course. Um, me and you have known now for uh, known each other for a couple of months, yeah. haven't we? And yeah. I've been impressed with what you've been doing and whatnot. Thank you. And the purpose of this show is to find out exactly how you've managed to have the success that you've had over the past year on that platform and uh and, and and prior to that so talk to me about your your journey mate how have you gone from someone i assume you just collected cards to someone now who sells cards on whatnot for a living yeah well first and foremost thanks for having me it's an absolute pleasure to be uh to be part of the sort of revitalization of of this and, <laughs> i like and that the, the, the start of it and yeah so i i started collecting when i was like i don't know like 10 11 um, it was slightly before that, but at that point it was it was upon myself to do it. And it's funny because I used to I used to be that guy at school that would go and buy buy some sweets and then they'll sell a bit of chocolate or you know sell some Lucas Aid. And what I would do with that money when it hit three o'clock and we're out of there, I'd go straight to the shop and I'd buy I'd buy what would be you know match attacks or. <laughs> whatever the shootout, whatever it would would have been at that time, and I'd spend all my money on that. My mum had given me some uh, some some dinner money and she'd say, This is this is for you. Don't buy cards, don't spend it on cards. And I would save it, I'd not eat, and I'd go and buy cards of it at the end of the day. So that's kind of where it started. Um we went a little bit dormant during the sort of teen years uh, until, until like many other people. Got distracted by girls, I assume. Yeah, that's it, that's it. And, and, and beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then COVID arrived and, and it, was, it was me, like many others, delved back into those collections and had a bit more time on our hands. And over that period, what could you do? I mean, you could order cards and th- that became that became the thing. I'd, I'd get home from work, I'd think, have we had a delivery? I'd rip some cards open and it just completely reignited that that passion inside of me and and we, we moved on from there, really. So that was 2020 then. So you got back, in, a lot of people got back into cards yeah. then. I mean, I started working for Viterra again in 2020 because yeah. the hobby was going through this amazing renaissance, trading cards, sports cards were cool again. So, you, but you, so you're buying cards now so how'd you go from there then just buying cards into now selling them for a living like yeah. you do? So as you can imagine, around that time, there wasn't that many people breaking or or even even selling cards in any sort of interactive format. But but the people that I was interacting with, um, I sort of I sort of looked at that and I thought I'd love to do that. I mean, something as a collector that you would love to do is just open countless amounts of boxes. Yeah, and and you know breaking and, and working with with whatnot and, and other platforms gives me gives me a, a stage to be able to do that and and it scratches that itch for opening boxes getting finding these best cards without putting yourself into hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of, of debt which is easy to do yes because it's very tempting you get the bug i think people that don't collect don't understand this yeah that it, it, it it's there's something innate within you. You want to acquire more. You, the excitement of opening packs. That's it. There's right. A real, there's a real thrill to it. And and the, this day and age, you've got you've got your your ninety nine pence packs that you can, might find in the corner shop, and it goes all the way up to boxes that are twenty thousand pounds plus. Mm. You know, and in between that, you've got you've got boxes like like Fatera, which are a real premium product 
but are also not going to leave you out on the streets because you've bought one of them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So with all the on-card autos, all that, we'll get into we'll get into that, but it's got everything you need in that. So that's a it's a lovely sort of halfway house in between the the corner shop and the ridiculously expensive while still being a premium product. So now we've got your backstory. We know how you got here. Yeah. You, the, over the past year, you know, you've done an amazing job and whatnot. And anybody who's been on that app has probably seen you uh, streaming. Prior to that, you used other, uh, you know, other methods as well as selling your cards. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you know, I think when people listen to this podcast, what they're really going to want to know at is how do they replicate your success? So if you were, if you were to go back and to advise yourself when you started this mm. on like things like equipment, what what would you say to a new a new streamer in terms of what they need to get at least the basics right? Yeah, and you've touched on it there. You've got to get the basics right. That is that is the first step. I would I would advise people to get involved with some streams. Have a look what's out there. Have a look at streamer X, Y, and Z. See what you like about their stream. See what you think is good. See what you think you might change. And take a little bit of each, you know, pull on that experience that you've had and apply it to your own streams. And part of that is is being self-critical as well. You know, it, it's... Not all the time, of course, but every now and again, watch back a little snippet of your own stream and 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 how does that look? How, what what is the environment? What's the lighting like? Have you got a have you got some nice card stands? Have you got a a decent mat? Are you streaming from a potato in a shed in the back garden? Like these are all things that you need to you need to consider. And, and as soon as you've got the basics right, then that will take you quite far. It'll take you a lot further than you would think. I was. At present, I've got I'm streaming from a computer. I've got the 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 full setup, so to speak. You know, multiple cameras. But for the longest time, I was just streaming with stands, uh, break mat, phone, and that was it. So no one could see your face at that no, point. No, no, and, and it was surprising actually because I'd have a couple of friends come around and they'd say, "Oh, let's let's see your setup," and they were all excited to see it. And I'd be like, "It's here," and they'd go, "Is that it?" I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, that's it. That's it. But but of course, part of what I was just saying about being, you know, self-critical and also looking at some of the streams as well is that I was thinking, well, what what else could I do? And don't get me wrong, there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that'll think I don't want my face out there. I I'm I'm nervous to do that. You know, we we all we all are. Every streamer that you see has that. But, you know, I am I'm, I'm in the mindset of for growth, you do need to push yourself out out your comfort zone because that comfort zone is exactly that. You're not going to go, um, and that's the same in any facet of, of life. Course, you know, yeah, that's not, not push just yourself. about streaming. That's about anything that can be applied to anything. So, um, you know, just do it. Just just get involved. See what see what you can do. See where it takes you. You never know where it's going to take you. This this whole hobby is in its infancy. Mm. Um, and you might look out there now and say, oh, there's so many streamers, there's people doing this, there's people doing that. I've got no chance. Wrong. There is opportunity everywhere. So you think there's an upper limit that you could hit as a streamer if, if you're not going to show your face then? Um, well, we there's a lot of streamers that don't show the face that are hugely successful, wildly successful in what they do. But for me... But could they be more successful if they did, do you think? Well, that's the question. That's yeah. the question. And, and, and who's to say... It would be very interesting if if I could have had two parallels, me without and me with, and see 
where the endpoint is. But yeah, I think I think for the full experience, I think I think you've got to go there. Yeah, well, it's such an integral part of of this whole channel of selling in this way, which I'm really excited about. This new kind of uh, domain of e-commerce if you, if you like and to build that rapport with the customer they get to know you it's close as it would be as you being on a market stall and you know trying to sell that way so yeah i i i i i probably with you i think that you know most streamers if they really want to take it to the next level yeah you know they're probably gonna have to get get comfortable with showing their face that's that's part and parcel of this of this yeah. whole channel um what platforms should people use i mean you hear a lot about obs um, yeah. What not's internal platform? What how, how do you how do you actually what do you need what technology do you need to stream in terms of software? Well, to be fair, all you need is is a smartphone. That is that is essentially all you need in terms of technology. You don't need any more than that. A smartphone and a light bulb would probably probably do the trick. Um, when we're looking at multiple cameras running from a computer, OBS is is what a lot of people tend to use. It's not simple. Um, you know, I I didn't. I, I needed some some sort of guidance on that. I needed I needed a lot of help with it to get to where I am now with it, and I'm I'm still not fluent in it now. You know, it, for example, if you said, "Oh, could you come and help me out with my OBS setup?" I I wouldn't really know where to go. But with your own, you you, you get used to it, and you you find you find the little nuances on, oh, and this does that, that does you know. But you don't need it. You, you literally just need a phone and and some lighting. That's interesting that you're saying that you're not that technical because I think that'd probably be so, that was something that intimidated me when yeah. I started doing this for Futera. I was like, I'm I'm not that technical. I don't at least you know I don't think so in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So again, but that's something that you have to hurdle that you one has to get yeah. over, right? Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. Now you're so there you go. If you are if you're watching this and you're like, hey, I'm not technical enough. I wouldn't be able to work it out. Adam, who is arguably one of the most successful people on whatnot breaking at the moment at least in the uk saying he's not technical no i'm not and he's done really well and he's doing it for a living so yeah. there you go yeah and i also didn't really want to show my face right if you're going to look go you know down that that avenue completely so there'll, <clears throat> you know, there'll be a lot of people that will be thinking i'm not technical i don't want to show my face can i still just do it just do it and you'll pick it up the, the, the great thing about about the whatnot platform specifically is it's all there for you and it's very simple but in addition to that, there are, it branches out so that if you need support, then that support is there too. Um, just specifically to whatnot that that piece. Yeah, it's funny because you know you, you said that you, you you know you're not you're not naturally technical. You you weren't comfortable showing your face. However, what you do do really well, evidently, is you engage your audience. What tips have you got for these new streamers in terms of how to keep the conversation going? Because there's inevitably going to be lulls in the stream when you're yeah. running a giveaway or whatever or you're yeah. you're in between boxes whatever what advice have you got there Ad? or or have you because it seems to come naturally to you yeah i i think that's just practice more than anything um use what you've got in front of you you know you you've got you've got some fantastic looking cards no doubt you've got a lot of people in the chat that will probably be your friends um you've got you might have a bit of football on in the background you might have something might have happened you know ganacho might have scored an overhead kick or Zidane might have headbutted somebody. Mm. You know, there's all these things. That's just for football. It could be anything that you talk. It could be a new release. It could be something in in the news. Talk about it. See what people think because you you'll be you'll be amazed as to you'll you'll just drop something out there, 
and then there'll be a flurry of responses and a lot of passionate people that are willing to speak about about what you've just said, um, which otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't have got. Use what's around you is 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 what I would say to that. And moving on to cards specifically, so as a box breaker, how do you determine whether or not you have valuable cards? What types of cards are you are you really looking and hoping to to open on, on streams at? Yeah, so it depends on a lot of a lot of different variables. That it depends on on the manufacturer. It depends on the licensing. For something like for something like an autograph, you've got your sticker autographs. You've got your on card autographs. Now, the difference between the two, for those that may not be familiar, is a sticker autograph. A player signs a sticker on a sticker sheet that's full of little stickers, and then somebody peels that sticker off and puts it on the card. Where an on card autograph is where somebody has physically held the card, such as this one here, Borja Iglesias, he has held that card and signed it. So, you know, you know that he has, it has that sort of personable feel to it because he has had that. Whereas a sticker on a card, although very nice in a lot of circumstances, doesn't carry that edge. Mm. Um, another factor would be like a numbered card, for example. So certain cards are serial numbered, which means this one here, we've got is 10 of 20. There are 20 in the world. It could be a card out of five, which is even rarer. It could be a one of one, which is a grail for a lot of people. If you hit a one of one, that means there is one of those in the world and you've got it in your hands. So as you can imagine, when you hit, when you hit a big name that's a one of one, that attracts a lot of attention and often attracts uh, quite a few buyers as well. Yes. The third thing that we're going to touch upon is memorabilia. So we have a card here, for example, from uh, Michael Laudrup, Denmark, History Makers. So it's a card with a bit of something, let's say. It's got a bit of something inside. Now, to find out with Fatera what, what is great, and this is almost exclusively with Fatera. You turn it over, it says this card captures a time in the football history featuring a piece of his Denmark game-worn jersey. From do, do you not get that with other brands? Mm, it's very rare. Hmm. It's very, it's very rare. Um, often, you turn it over, you say this this uh, piece of memorabilia is player-worn or match-worn. But for something as specific as this, the provenance to say game-worn jersey from the 19, 1988 European Championships, that is specific, but it can go further than that, and it does go further than that. We There are other cards in this set that might say from the game that was played on the 19th of October against, so you pinpointed that precise match. Um, so yeah, that that's also important. I think in terms in terms of memorabilia, you you want something that's match match used if you can. Okay. If you've got the provenance to back it up, that's 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 a, an even bigger bonus. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, well, that's something that we're very proud of at Futera in terms of giving that information. Same with the autographs as well, where the player signed, when yep. the player signed. Yep. Very important to us. Um, sometimes when I watch streamers and the, the, they're opening a lot of cards, I'm like, how do you ensure that the card that you opened goes to the right buyer? Yeah, so that you've got to be methodical with it and you've got to be rigorous with what you do so everything has to be segregated um your listings need to be in a manner so that when you read them back you know 
where it's from. So, for example, if we were to do four boxes of Fatera and I've got four spots that all say Brazil with four different names attached to them, how do we know what, what box that that is attaining to? So, you know, it might just be putting something like a little one in a bracket for the first box, two in the bracket. You know, all these little things which a lot of people will not consider and you might do your first live and you might you might make that mistake. But going forward, you have to be very methodical with it um, to eliminate any sort of errors like that. Errors do happen. We're all human. I've made mistakes. I will make mistakes in the future. But it's about it's about minimizing that and having having a, a systematic approach to to your sorting and sleeving, which, by the way, is is the most boring part of it all, and <laughs> a part where I spend a lot of time, which nobody sees, hours, days sorting sorting breaks, especially you know big big breaks. That's, yeah. That's that's the the not glamorous part of of it all that that people don't see. Yeah, well every business, every job has a some more so than others. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of glamour to this, you know. Yeah. I think everybody looks at it and goes, "Oh, what a great job." I yeah. mean, I was telling my dad earlier, I was saying, I'm, I'm t- he was saying, "What are you doing later in Manchester?" And I said, "I'm I'm interviewing a, a guy who's a box breaker that he does it for a living." Yeah. What well, he opens trading cards for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost as crazy as you selling trading cards for a living, son. That's yeah. what he said. So, uh, and he's, 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 he's right. He's right. He's right. But it, in terms of like those operations, yeah. uh, you know, like what would you say are the biggest challenges in terms of running a box breaking business? Um, I think I think sourcing the stock is, you know, one question I get asked a lot in my lives is where do you get this from? Where do you get that from? You know, how much do you pay for this? How much do you pay for that? Now, that of course is is confidential. It's, it's, that's that's the crux of the business. You, you know, you won't walk into Sainsbury's and say, "You've charged me forty nine p for that tomato. How much did you buy it from? Where did you buy it from?" Because I'm going to go there instead. Um, but I, I can see why everyone's interested. It's it's anything like that. For those of you that are business minded, or even if you're not, it's it's great to see. But yeah, sourcing products. Um, you know, there was a long time where I was juggling two jobs. So um, I was, well, I am a pharmacist by trade. Uh, so I was doing that, and then and then the box breaking too. That that takes its toll mm. to a point where you have to make a decision one way or another. You have to you have to take a bit of a risk. Um, so yeah, time sourcing the stock, and then as as time passes and things get busier and busier and busier, scaling scaling up is is another. Is another hurdle to navigate because if you're doing 15 boxes in a night, that may take you a couple of days to sleeve and sort. So that puts that puts the brakes on anything else you are doing, unless you know if you want to get those cards out in a timely manner. Yes, which is important on on what. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. really good that you've you've alluded to this element of it because I think this is the bit that nobody sees. And it's really important if it, there'll be people listening to this that are contemplating entering into this as a business venture mm. and that they're, they're, they may not have thought about the stuff that goes on off camera. Um, and also, whilst you're doing that, you can't stream, then you can't sell more whilst you're also packaging up. I suppose you, you've got to get yourself into a really healthy financial position to employ people to do that, yeah. right? So yeah. these are all kind of hurdles of business that you need to, to get over. And um, just, you know, the future of football card box breaking ads this platform, whatnot, this way of selling, what's that look like to you? It's it's still a baby. It's still a baby. I think the future is very, very bright. We're seeing we're seeing so many more sets, so much development in terms of the cards themselves, lots of innovation, you know, such such as this product here. 
we've we've got we've got also branching out from that you've got things like disney has recently exploded mm, you know you've I've got seen you've it. got a lot of the Incredible. influencers that, that are like the sidemen and things like they've got their cards and the whole hobby in general the collecting the collecting marketplace um the card show scene again you know i run the yorkshire card show that that is a show that is growing every single time every single time we do, we we run a show there is more more through the door more interest um everything's growing and it's a fantastic place to join in right now because you might think it's we're, we're sort of down the line we're not we're right at the very start and and if you were to join in now you can still make your mark well you think about how many football fans there are it just let's take a country like britain there's a lot of football fans yeah. in britain yeah and what percentage of them actually collect cards it's yeah. still rather small however you know with especially generational wise it's something that we intuitively get as millennials i think zoomers will be the same um and i do think that there's that there is something interesting going on in terms of how these are seen as like an a, almost a de facto asset class yeah at trading cards yeah um and i think this is partly down to stuff like logan you know logan paul gary v the way these people talk about these 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 assets so yeah. there's a lot of interesting things going on and, and one area that i think that I'm surprised I haven't seen more of is, is actual footballers because in the United States you've got a lot of NFL players basketball players that, that really embrace the hobby not yeah. so much I mean you've got Tossin we'll give him a shout out and a couple mm -hmm. of boys from Blackburn yeah um, but um, but yeah you, you know there's, there's not that many that are entering the hobby okay we'll try and wrap this up because we've we, I can see the lady at the door um, looking in on us so uh, let's just let's just summarize this with um, again try and succinctly give somebody some advice mm. so someone that's listening to this that's thinking you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get involved in in, in in box breaking what are you what are you saying to them i'd say i'd say do it but bear in mind it's not an overnight cash grab um there are there are no corners to cut you have to be consistent you have to be committed but more than anything make sure you enjoy it that is the number one you have to enjoy it. you have to be passionate about what you're doing and those three things together will make it a success. I have no doubt. I think you're. I think you're spot on, and you've given some really great advice here. We'll have to do this again. Where can people find you and your channel? Yeah. So on Instagram, we it's at the Yorkshire Collector. On whatnot, it's Yorkshire Collector without the the on the front. And also, of course, like I've mentioned, the Yorkshire Card Show. Um, at, on Instagram at the Yorkshire Card Show. It's a great show. Come down, say hello. Meet us, we'll open some packs. Who knows? Yeah, the tr the shows are, are, are brilliant and I, and I will endeavour to try and get to that. Just finally, if you tear unique, World Football 2023-24, we opened a box tonight. We did. Just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, delivers again. Delivers again, on-card autos, game-worn, memorabilia with the provenance. You know, you've got the gold frame chase as well. We didn't hit one of those tonight, unfortunately, but, you know, there is, there's still time. There's still time. I would, I would highly advise somebody that's into the football card community into into collecting pick up a box of Fatera. who knows you might get that elusive one of one yeah you might do you might do add top man thank right. you thanks a lot mate cheers mate brilliant